sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The object of these arrests is not to get people like Manafort or people like Stone. It's to get them to sing and perhaps even to compose, to create guilt allegations against the real target here, the president. That's the tactic Mueller has used from day one. It's Border Patrol and the agents that are asking for it. It's not Trump. So you can support a wall without being a supporter of Trump. If the Democrats are going to use their majority in the House of Representatives to block the funds that are necessary to secure the American people, then they won't have their majority for very long. Keep in mind the last time the Democrats sort of followed Nancy Pelosi blindly down a, a path on policy, we ended up with Obamacare and bailouts and cap and trade, and they lost control of the House. Unemployment for blacks and Hispanics is at the lowest level ever in the history of this country. So why you don't have to go back far. To go back to right here, right now, jobs are out there for people where people could pay their own way, take care of their families. Why would you want to change that? Or what do you do? Take dumb pills every morning? And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program, and uh, thanks for being at home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I want to give you a little preview. We are going to be discussing... Uh, this New York Times reporter getting slammed for seeking opposition research on Christian schools, which, if you think about it, any reporter who says, have you had a bad experience at your kid's high school? It doesn't have to be a Christian school. It could be any school. Well, contact me. I want to write a story about it. You're going to get responses from that. So he said Christian schools because now Christian schools are under the microscope because of this, uh, you know, the, the, the Covington High School Catholic boys and how they were maliciously slandered and maligned for standing around with MAGA hats on. Which, again, incidentally, it's the chief trigger item. Like, if you're looking to get into some trouble and mix it up with some folks, just put one on and go outside. Um, I wore a flowered Trump hat to Home Depot, and no one seemed to notice. And it might just be because I'm so tall that they didn't even look up there and see that it had the word Trump on it. They just saw a flowered hat and didn't think anything of it. But I, nothing happened. Um, I was half expecting something to happen, but nothing happened. So anyway, we're going to get into uh, all of these topics. I want to first, I talked about this last hour, but we ran out of time. Um, oh, and the phones, we think the phones are fixed. So you'd like to call in and join the program. You weren't able to last hour. That's okay. Uh, call lines are open at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Uh, I want to listen to CNN's Dana Bash talking about how Democrats are saying that Trump's messaging uh, about the Democrats on border security has actually started to seep in. This is important because it's an acknowledgement on their own media that his messaging is actually resonating with Americans. It's number four. This should be and is framed as the president's um, strategy all along, and therefore it's his political problem much more so than Democrats. Right. But that's not to say it's not a potential political problem for Democrats also. I'm hearing from senior Democrats that they are hearing more and more from their rank and file, particularly the new members who tend to come from more moderate districts, saying they're getting pounded because the Trump message, the Republican message that they don't care about border security has started to seep in as well. They've, and that's why you've heard them trying to talk more generally, a little more specifically about exactly. border security. Yeah. Dana Bash put it very well when she said people, uh, members of, of Congress, senators have been banging their heads against the wall. Now, listen, first, she said, we've said on this program 
and it's true that Trump owns the shutdown and this is his problem. But then she goes on to explain how newly elected members of Congress are getting hammered by their constituents because people are waking up to the fact that they just elected someone who said they were a moderate, but they're really a hardcore leftist troll working on behalf of the drug cartels down in Mexico. That is something that is upsetting people. They don't like being duped, but that's what's happening to them. They're, they've been duped. They were told, look, I'm a moderate. I'll push back against some of the crazier proposals by the president. You know, I'm in the middle, which is why the Bible says there is no middle. You, you realize that, right? For all of you who are running around out there telling, I'm an independent. Good for you. Good for you. If you know what that means, good for you. I have no idea what you mean when you say you're an independent. I know when I hear independent, I hear someone who's ashamed to say they vote for the Democrats. I'm sure there are some exceptions to that. For the most part, you delve into the person's worldview and what they believe and you listen to them for a few minutes and they start talking just like a Democrat. So if you're wanting someone who's a moderate, that means they believe what? What exactly do they believe? They either believe that human beings deserve the right to be born or they're for abortion, which now for the Democrats, abortion means if you kill a woman who's pregnant, you've only killed her. You haven't killed the baby. That's the new law in New York City. Look it up for yourself. The Democrats have decriminalized murder of unborn babies because that might make people think that it's an unborn baby. I don't know what they're going to do about the fact that women who are happy to be pregnant have baby showers. Women who are glad that they're expecting a baby call it a baby. Women who are interested in, um, you know, encouraging other women to get pregnant while they're pregnant, they'll, they'll say, we're expecting a baby on yada, 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 and it's a boy or it's a girl or we're having twins. Or you might want to go see my IVF doctor if they've had fertility issues and they want to share some information. I don't know how the Democrats get around that, but they've just removed. If a man beats his wife to death and she's pregnant, he's only killed one person. No more counting the baby as a casualty in that horrific act. Are you getting the picture? Moderates? Are you getting the picture? Independents? Forget about political parties. Are you for the murder of the unborn baby or are you not? How about you just go there? Just forget about R and D and red and blue and just... Do you care about unborn babies or no? If it's no, I mean, you know, you do you, but just understand where you're at. Understand what you're supporting. So when they talk about this, it's just starting to seep in. I kind of take it as that, like that um, you, you have one, one of something that's probably an indicator that there are more coming or more, more are around the corner or there are more that you can't see. If they're talking about it on CNN, then there's some pain being felt. And it's part of the reason why the president felt it necessary to, you know, he's, he felt like it was a safe time for him to move forward with negotiating with the Democrats because a lot of them are hurting and they understand that if they tick off their voters this early on, they won't be able to count on them getting entrenched and supporting them and doing those fundraising cocktail parties and making the rounds when the holidays that, you know, they want to go home on the long weekends and spend a week glad handing, shaking people's hands, acting like celebrities and, and seeding the ground for raising money. And they're not going to be able to do that if everyone's mad at them because they realize they voted in somebody who's soft on crime, which is what they've done. That's what they've done. But they've got to 
find a way to hide that from their constituents. So now they're willing to negotiate a little bit. Now, Nancy Pelosi's not in any danger. She's from California. And that's the danger for the Democrats having their most radical members in leadership. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a total Marxist, socialist, commie radical. And she's running part of the Democratic Party. She's been elected to Congress. But more than that, she has a bully pulpit of millions of followers on Twitter and an amazing social media presence. Her engagement levels are through the roof. And she's not a normal Democrat. We long for the days when the Democrats were like normal, regular Americans, and we could just argue about the, the, the fringe of how things were. But we were all still Americans together, and we all still believed pretty much the same things. Those days are gone. Now, speaking of those days being gone, Bernie Marcus is the founder of Home Depot, a little store that I like to frequent when I need to purchase fasteners. You've heard me talk about the fastener aisle. It's a beautiful thing. It's an American thing. Anyway, he is uh, weighing in on Fox Business here in this next audio clip, talking about, um, you've got Elizabeth Warren talking about how certain people are rich and they don't pay their fair share. And the way to get them to pay their fair share is to say, are you worth $50 million or more? Then you owe the federal government X. Now, she calls that a form of progressive taxation, but there is a proper term for that, and it is um, it's civil asset forfeiture. It's where the government forces you to forfeit your assets because they told you to. And it is a Debbie Downer, if there ever was one, it's number two. Yeah, well, it, it, let me tell you, it comes right out of the universities. Uh, you see students graduating today and a very high percentage of students. And by the way, this is, a, this is a fact. They did a survey of it. Almost 50% of students coming out of university today believe that socialism is the answer. That's frightening to me because the things that made this country great that created the wealth for this country, and I mean the wealth for every single person right down the line, the, the, the best medical care in the world, uh, the best housing in the world. That's why people want to come here uh, is because of the system, and that's the free enterprise system. And you have the universities teaching these people socialism. Uh, you have Bernie Sanders out there. You have Elizabeth Warren. Uh, you think that there's danger over the hills. I want the American people... And I'm talking about all the people that don't watch Fox and don't read the Wall Street Journal, but read the New York Times and every other newspaper around the country, watch NBC and CBS. I don't think they're getting this message at all. And I don't think they understand what, uh, how the brink of where we're standing today. They don't. And the reason is because of the same reason why I was a Democrat back when I was in my early 20s. I went to college for a couple years, went home for a year, then joined the Air Force, and I was a Democrat. And uh, obviously, I had some influence from the home because my parents were Democrats. They still are. But there was a deep sense that Republicans were racist and they were rich and didn't care about regular people. And at the time, I don't think I understood where my family really was on the spectrum. We were solidly middle class. And so when the Democrats talk about victims and people who can't make it and people, don't, you know, people who need the government to help them, we, we weren't in that boat. We, we weren't struggling. My parents were doing well. 
and they provided a very nice upbringing for my sister and I, and but but we still were Democrats. And that victim talk was exactly what I used on people when, you know, well, I wouldn't do that, but I don't want to take away someone's right to make a decision about their own body. You know, if you think that, you must be a racist. That, that was the go-to argument. It was me, every Democrat I knew. That's all we, if, oh, come on. you If you don't agree with us, you're a racist. And it took us making some real money, my husband and I, and seeing the tax burden. And then, of course, starting our own family and realizing that, I mean, I remember sitting in church and listening to the pastor preaching about an issue. And then he got to a place where it was a social issue. And he said, Democrat talking point right in that. He put it right in there where the, it, he should have been talking about what the Bible said. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, wait, but that's not what the Bible says. And I was flipping through my Bible and I looked and I was like, this is not what I even believe. The Bible says this and I'm over here. And that's when the journey began. It's not like I woke up the next day and said, whoop, I'm a card-carrying Republican. Oh, no, it took time and more reading and research and more listening to the, the, the preaching and teaching and going into the Bible before I really realized so I say this on Sunday, but all during the week, I'm hanging out with the Democrats, voting with the Democrats, spouting off the Democrats mantra, and it's not working out. And I don't, some of this stuff I'm, I'm talking about, I believe, I don't even really believe that. I don't believe that you should be able to take money from one person and give it to someone else. I don't believe that. And so it became a real thing. But, but when he, when you're talking about these college students that, that, that Bernie Marcus is mentioning 50% of them are coming out believing in socialism. It's kind of normal for people who are uninformed and don't have to pay their own bills and are living off their parents to have wacky ideas about politics. When it gets real is when you start making your own rent or mortgage payments, you pay your own car payments, you have to make sure there's money left over at the end of the, the week or two weeks or whatever you got going on with your pay. You have to make sure that you're holding over to the next time. And then you start thinking, well, maybe I should start saving some money. Maybe I should do what my parents have been saying all this time. And I should, you know, open up some kind of savings account or some kind of investment vehicle or 401k or something. I got to do something. That's when you start to think, maybe I don't really agree with the government taking as much of my money as they want. But it's still disturbing that they think socialism is the answer when they're drinking their custom lattes and Ubering everywhere. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk about Roger Stone. Stay there. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You can't squeeze more into three days, and we will, in Washington, D.C. on our spiritual heritage tour. In June and in September, we're going to the Capitol, Library of Congress, the Supreme Court, Lincoln Memorial, the Korean and Vietnam Memorials, the Iwo Jima Memorial, the Arlington National Cemetery, the White House, that's outside, Jefferson Memorial and the National Archives, and we're going to Mount Vernon on that Saturday of our tour. So, so much to see, so much to do, and it includes lectures and talks from Stephen McDowell, who will be our historian along the way. For more information on these June or September spiritual heritage tours and the separate tour to Williamsburg, Jamestown and Yorktown. For all the information on this, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. The wife of the vice president, Karen Pence, used to teach art at Emanuel Christian School in Virginia when her husband served as a member of Congress. Her office announced that she would once again be teaching art in the school on a part-time basis. That announcement was met with lots of criticism for one major reason. This Christian school, like so many others, requires students and parents to abide by a Christian code of conduct concerning sexual activity and traditional marriage. A CNN writer described the school's conduct code as, This language is disgusting. Another outrage that she would be working at a school that discriminated against LGBT adults and children. One commentary suggested that the school is like the real-life setting for The Handmaid's Tale. Of course, Karen Pence is merely the collateral target. The real target is the Christian school and other schools, universities, and seminaries that believe the Bible and want students to obey biblical commands. Just a decade or so ago, the left and LGBT activists said they only wanted to coexist. They wanted us to accommodate same-sex marriage and homosexual lifestyle. Now institutional support for LGBT demands has now moved towards institutional hostility towards Christian values and Christian institutions. Emmanuel Christian School is a ministry of the church. None of the critics of it are forced to attend the school or the church. Their tax dollars aren't going to fund the tuition paid by the students. The school is a voluntary association. Karen Pence is willing to volunteer her time to teach art. A few years ago, none of this was controversial. It only became controversial when the left stopped pretending they wanted accommodation and started enforcing compliance to their demands. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Well, I've read the indictment, and it's a typical Mueller indictment. Very, very heavy on stories, stories involving uh, collusion and WikiLeaks. But the indictment itself all relates to obstruction of justice, tampering of witnesses. In other words, crimes that occurred as a result of the investigation. This is typical of Mueller. He has found almost no crimes that occurred before he was appointed special counsel. He was appointed special counsel to uncover crimes that had already occurred. He has virtually failed in that respect in every regard. Almost all of his crimes that he's indicted people for are crimes that resulted from his investigation false statements, tampering with witnesses, obstruction of justice. I went through today the list of all the people who had been indicted by Mueller, and it was very hard to find any American who had been charged with any crime that occurred before Mueller was appointed special counsel. So what's happened here is these are crimes that are generated by the investigation. It doesn't make them any less criminal But it really means that there's been a failure to uncover the basic crimes for which he was appointed. Namely, before he was appointed, was there illegal collusion, illegal conspiracy with Russia? We don't find that. In this indictment, he tells stories about um, uh, alleged collusion, stories about WikiLeaks, but that's not the basis for the indictment. The basis for the indictment are all events that occurred after he was appointed. That's very significant. 
And so I'm, I want to stress again, reiterate that I've been waiting, especially since the this appointment of the special counsel. I said, you know what? I want to see the, the president cleared or if he's committed some wrongdoing, I want to see that brought forward. And, you know, what 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 happens then? What what does Congress do? What what is is the next step? And we haven't seen any evidence that the president has done anything wrong. There's also a story out. Uh, about how there, you literally have the president of the United States. They've alleged that he knew that um, the WikiLeaks information was going on and that he was negotiating with the Russians through intermediaries on his campaign to help him win the election. We have not seen any evidence of that. What the evidence shows, this particular indictment, the Roger Stone indictment, actually shows and proves that the president of the United States and his campaign team found out about the WikiLeaks revelations of the, the trove of emails that they had and everything in real time as the rest of us Americans did, meaning they had no prior knowledge. If they had no prior knowledge, where is the collusion? Again, I was waiting for evidence to the contrary or evidence in support of guilt of any member of Trump campaign world or the president, then candidate himself, and instead, we're just watching as Robert Mueller goes on a witch hunt and tears down all of these people who are in the Trump orbit for actions they took after the investigation started. In other words, they're like, well, we're innocent. Well, what can we do to prove that we're innocent? And so they start talking to each other and organizing themselves and going back and forth. And that is what they're getting prosecuted for because they, quote unquote, were obstructing justice. And maybe they were acting in an obstruction type way, but- I just caution for, for people who are sitting back and wagging their fingers and acting like this is a football contest. What would you do if you knew that you were innocent, but you also knew that there was a guy who'd been appointed a special prosecutor to find any dirt they could on you? Would you not try to, oh, let me just clean up my act. You know, civilians don't exactly know the letter of the law. There are so many laws in this country. It, you're, it's impossible without counsel to make sure you're not running afoul of them. And you can say what you want about Roger Stone and, and some of the others who are on the Trump campaign. This, this isn't about whether or not you like them personally and want to have coffee with them. It's does the rule of law exist? Whatever it is they think that they've got on Roger Stone pales in comparison to what we all know Hillary Clinton did. And she's still running around in those $12,000 housecoats, living her life, threatening to run for the presidency again. Do you understand how egregious that is? That Hillary Clinton would be out running around free after breaking law, federal law about email storage and classified information dissemination. She is running around free while people like Roger Stone and Paul Manafort are getting prosecuted and thrown in jail. That double standard should definitely upset you. It should make you feel the inequities that exist in our government right now need to be righted. I'm not seeing that from people who are on the left. It's as if they know they're untouchable. And you may very well be. Democrats may very well be untouchable in this lifetime, in this era that we live in right now, in this political arena, in this America. They may very well be untouchable. But that does not hold on the other side. Eternity is real, and every one of us is going to come running smack dab and up into it. We're all going to get there. And at that point, There'll be no Robert Mueller or FBI agents having an affair 
you know, making jokes about people at Walmarts and in the outskirts of, of the state of Virginia. There won't be any of those people to protect you or stand in between you and a holy, righteous God delivering judgment. And that is my concern. Yes, we talk politics on this show, but my concern is that going into the afterlife is that are you prepared? Are you ready to go? Are you prepared to meet the judgment seat and account for every thought, every action? Have you repented, given your life to Jesus Christ and have been made right with the father through him? Which means you have to step away from all this other stuff. You have to step away from believing the lies from this one and that one. Politically, you have to step away from uh, supporting policies that go against God's word. That all has to be a part of it. That's the question. Which brings me to our daily confession. We kind of went out of order because we usually do that in the first segment. Today's daily confession is about the truth. The one who walks, who, the one whose walk is blameless, who does not let me try that again. The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others. Psalm 15 verses two through three. That's about the truth. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. That's first John three eighteen. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That's 1 John 1, 6. The Bible has a lot to say about the truth. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's 3 John 1 and 4. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, Ephesians 4.15. So what am I saying here? I, I'm, I'm sharing these truth Bible scriptures with you and pointing out that you can find it, at, at first glance, I found 25. Um, and if you go further, you can find even more that may not mention the word truth, but are about speaking the truth or living in the truth. And the most important thing for us to do is to address ourselves to the truth. So for my own self, and it's a constant battle warring against our flesh and our fleshly earthly desire to be comfortable or not to offend or um, to maybe believe what we want to believe or to have the popular view as opposed to having the view that God wants us to have, which is the view of the truth. And it is a tough road if you're in close fellowship with family members who, this is not political, this is about the truth, what God's word says, they're not aligned with that. It's painful. It's something that can be very disturbing and can really, it's, it just messes things up because you want to be in harmony with people in your family. And so I just encourage you to take your solace in the Lord. He will comfort you. He will bring reconciliation. He will move in his own time to right those relationships. But your allegiance to the truth has to remain firm. Don't give up on that. Hold tight to the truth and soak your mind in it. Marinate in it. I'll give you a few more. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Proverbs 4.24. 1 
for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. That's Psalm 33 and 4. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's John 16, 7. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. He doesn't say he'll tell you the politically correct thing about me or he'll tell you all the stuff that makes you feel good about me. He said, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Now remember, Jesus Christ, he's love, he's holy, he, he's a man, he took on flesh to understand who and what we are, but he's also the truth. He's also the same one who cracked a whip on folks and flipped tables, money changers, threw them out of the temple. He had righteous anger and he delivered judgment. He saved people, he rescued them, he healed them. But he also told them, go and sin no more. So we've got to have an allegiance to the truth that supersedes everything else. Politics, family, all of it. It's all or nothing. And we've got to choose. Please choose the truth. And that's the daily confession for today. So now I want to pivot over to this big, it's another big news story today. We've got um, the CEO of Starbucks. He's out and about talking about running for the presidency. And what's so funny about him saying that is that he's saying he doesn't like the Republicans and he doesn't like the Democrats so much. I mean, you know, he's joining multiple tens of millions of Americans in that thought process. He says he wants to run as an independent. Now, you know, y'all know, I'm, I'm a Caldi's coffee girl. Caldi's coffee, locally owned totally the best coffee ever. It's so good. I actually get the grounds from there. And I use that in the coffee maker when I'm not drinking instant because I'm a huge instant fan. But I will, when I make a pot or if I make espresso, it's the Caldi's. But our daughter, one of our daughters loves Starbucks. And because she's a teenager and she's not really as political and because, honestly, once they get to that last year before they're going to college, you just want to spend time with them. So if she wants to go to Starbucks, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm doing whatever she wants to do. And one of the things that we really enjoy is, you know, she likes to get the, uh, it's a vanilla bean frappuccino. And I always just get a latte or whatever is the simplest thing with the least sugar. Uh, because their coffee is so burnt anyway. You have to, like, cut it with hot water if you want to really be able to, like, stomach it. And... So I, we do, we do actually still frequent Starbucks and I know I tell other people to boycott it. And I was, I, I had been in there in a few years until she got on the Starbucks kick. And so I, I thought it was pretty interesting that the CEO of Starbucks, he feels like he's a businessman and he has a lot of name recognition and that people would like to see him be the president because he's not bombastic and he, he's not going to go in and try to drain the swamp or tear Washington up. But if he runs as a, uh, independent, then he's going to siphon votes off from whoever the Democrats front runner is, which right now they're looking at Kamala Harris. They're also just hanging back in the wings, the Obamas who have amassed an enormous amount of political capital. And Michelle has actually done an amazing PR junket. You, you guys know, I hate her policies. I loathe the things that she stands for, but game recognizes game. That woman has a PR it's, it's a machine that is behind her 
pushing her books and her television appearances and these little cameos with her and these late night TV stars where she's hanging out at their building and surprising people on the elevator. It's just a lot going on. And she's, she's masterminding it. And I feel like this is just me. So I got nothing to back this up, but this is just my gut feeling. Remember Hillary Clinton and her husband were supposed to have been the first couple in America because remember they wanted to crush the Bush dynasty because the Bushes are the only family in the history of this country to have had the father and the son both be president, right? So the Clintons wanted to obliterate that, you know, first best of legacy type thing by being the first husband and wife to be the president with her being the first female president. So they would completely just leave the bushes in the, in the dust, but she wasn't able to pull it off. And you've got Donald Trump. Well, that, uh, you know, that trophy is still out there. First black president. His wife would be the first black woman president and the first female president. And they would be the first couple to have ever both been the president's. Now, I have been discounting this. If you go back in the podcast, you'll hear me say over and over again over the past couple of years that that speculation that she would run for the presidency is pure poppycock. She doesn't want to do it. She hated being the first lady. She didn't like not being able to open a window or drive down the street with her window down or even jump in a car and drive herself somewhere. She hated the confining nature of the presidency here in the U.S. She would prefer a European presidency. Like in France, the first lady of France walks the streets of France. She shops. She, they live in a place that's not heavily guarded or armed. She's like a regular person, but not here in America. And so she wants something like that. But the chance for the Obamas to take something that the Clintons felt was rightfully theirs, which they've already done because her husband beat Hillary in the primary for the Democrats. It's just too tempting. And so I'm having to reverse myself. Not that I know anything, but I feel like there is an opportunity there. Like there's a possibility that Michelle Obama might step in, even though the heir apparent is Kamala Harris. She's the one that president Obama said he thought was so great he even wanted to make her the attorney general, remember? Uh, but he chose Loretta Lynch instead because the party insiders wanted Loretta Lynch because she'd been in the game a lot longer and she was owed. It was her turn. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm only putting this to you to kind of, you know, perk up your ears and don't, I don't want you to be surprised. There's a distinct possibility that Michelle Obama could run because if she ran, she's got the name ID and name recognition and popularity she doesn't have the baggage like Kamala Harris has, where Kamala Harris had affairs with some married man and he gave her a job and all that stuff. And Kamala Harris has a parent, her parents aren't actually Americans. You know, that whole thing. So, all right, when we get back, we're going to be talking about border security and strategic fencing. Stay right there. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Christians, where are you? New York State's legislature just passed a bill making all forms of abortion legal up to birth by doctors and non-doctors. The bloodthirsty death worshipers then went on to light up the World Trade Center in pink to celebrate. Meanwhile, Planned Parenthood's annual report shows the abortion giant doing 11,000 more abortions than the prior reporting year and performing fewer women's health care screenings, all while turning a multi-million dollar profit. In the natural, it looks as if taxpayer-funded abortion is here to stay. But what does God's word say? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. America needs our prayers. Christians, the Bible is talking to you. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Abraham Hamilton III. God put us in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fold because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his ambassadors, even in this dark moment. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. God puts his promises in our reach, not necessarily in our hands. Dr. Tony Evans says God knows it's good for us to participate in our own victory. When you know where something's going to wind up, it changes your confidence level. Discovering and using the keys to spiritual victory. This week on The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans. Media Minute with Howard Kurtz. It was an incredible mob scene outside a Florida courthouse. Roger Stone straining to be heard, proclaiming his innocence, an indictment brought by Bob Mueller against chance of lock him up, lock him up. Now, there were questions about CNN showing up with a camera for an early morning FBI raid on Stone's home, the network insisting it was just good detective work. It wasn't tipped off. Now, lots of media speculation because the indictment says that Stone talked to certain unnamed members of the Trump campaign about his contacts, which he sort of denied kind of with WikiLeaks about hacked Democratic emails. Some saying maybe it was Trump, maybe it was Steve Bannon. We don't know the answers to that question. One thing I can say, Stone, a longtime political operative, dirty trickster by his own account. This guy loves being on TV. He was on TV constantly predicting he would be indicted. Now he has been indicted. And what does he do? Hours after he actually is indicted, he goes on Tucker Carlson's show. More television exposure for Stone. With your media minute, Howie Kurtz, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You know, last Thursday we had a bipartisan discussion on the Senate floor about the importance of ending the shutdown, uh, which there was bipartisan agreement was needless and harmful to the American people and our economy, and that we all pledged to work in good faith, find common ground on border security. And that's what I'm committed to doing. And I think that really starts with making sure we're listening to the experts on the front lines on this. So, and that may include strategic uh, fencing in okay. certain places. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's significant. You know, that's an area where you differ from a number of your Democratic colleagues. Well, so what I think is important over the next several weeks is that we listen to the people on the front lines. I was down on the border last May, and what the CBP told me was they needed Mm -hmm. more agents, we need more immigration judges, we need better technology, especially at our ports of entry, and in Mm -hmm. some places we need to improve fencing, repair fencing, or perhaps put in some new fencing. Uh, So you might be thinking, who is that? Sounds a lot like a somebody normal well it's senator maggie hassan (laughs) cassie smettle was not joking around when she said that the democrats from the states where you know they can't they can't go all hardcore marxists like they can in new york and california regular rank and file democrats are having trouble and so they've got to come out and make these kinds of statements they got to make sounds like they respect lawful immigration because if they don't their constituents are like you uh yeah no we don't 
We're not on the same page, baby. That's not working for me. So I am just posting now on Facebook all over the place. I just got in my email box from the Republican National Committee, State of the Union, February 5th. That's happening on February 5th. So breaking news, just emailed out. It's live. It's true. It's happening February 5th. So not tomorrow like it's supposed to, but next Tuesday. Now, who's with me? Possibly having people over and just watching it together to get the full experience. I'm thinking I'm doing something. I'm, I'm going to somebody's house or somebody or girls are coming over here. We're, we're going to watch this thing. Um, I, I'm wondering, and she, the letter, I'll just read you the letter because it's, it's not good enough for me to just tell you. It's from Nancy Pelosi on her official letterhead, Speaker of the House. It's dated today. She says, Dear Mr. President, when I wrote to you on January 23rd, I stated that we should work together to find a mutually agreeable date when government has reopened to schedule this year's State of the Union address. In our conversation today, we agreed on February 5th. Therefore, I invite you to deliver your State of the Union address before a joint session of Congress on February 5th, 2019 in the House chamber. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Sincerely, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House. So that's happening. That's on. It's, it's, let's get it. Let's do it. I'm actually pretty pleased that she followed through because I didn't think she was going to. I actually thought she was going to keep on dragging it out and be really dishonorable. And um, she didn't. So good for her. Good for her for actually following through on what she promised to do. So we have some time left in this segment to take calls. I know we didn't get to first hour, but the phones are working again. So the call lines are open at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. And we welcome your phone calls about anything we've discussed here today on the show um, or anything you want to bring up. I'm, I am not opposed to um, chatting about off topics. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not. Now, I had a couple people ask me why Tucker Carlson was having a reception here. Well, he spoke, and the reception was for afterwards. So it was a reception that people could attend to actually get a chance to meet him. It wasn't open to the public, but it was definitely, you know, it was very well attended. Um, but it wasn't a reception for anything specific. Like, he, obviously, his book is out. He was a speaker at the event and, and you know, et cetera. Um, so there's also some breaking news. Three members of Trump's cabinet, the FBI director and four other officials will give a news conference at 3.30 p.m. that will include the announcement of criminal charges on China-related law enforcement action, also national security-related. Well, let me see what I have in my press, press list. Um, uh, the president has announced the United States will welcome an official delegation from China for a series of meetings from January 31st, 30th to 31st, 2019, to discuss trade and um, these discussions for the United States side will be led by Robert Lighthizer, Stephen Mnuchin, uh, Wilbur Ross, Larry Kudlow, and Peter Navarro. And they'll also have senior officials from the White House, Departments of Agriculture, U.S. Trade, Commerce, State, and the Treasury. And um, they're going to be talking about doing, uh, you know, better trade. So getting rid of the trade imbalance. And also these meetings are going to take place in the Eisenhower executive office building, which I've been to before. That's where I went for media row y'all. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's exciting news. I don't see anything in here about criminal charges, but, um, you know, we can always hold out and figure out what's going on. 
Um, and of course, today was the first press briefing for Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So let's go to the phones. Charles, thank you for calling Stacy on the right. Hello. 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 Hi. Thanks for calling the show. Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, my, my comment is about, you made a statement earlier about uh, Michelle uh, Obama possibly running for president because they wanted to um, knock out the, the Clintons because Hillary didn't win, that they didn't become the first couple to win the White House because the Bushes had become the first father and son to do that. But that was actually incorrect. First father and son do that with John Adams and John Quincy Adams. Mm, okay. So in the modern era for, you know, in, in our lifetimes, it's the Bushes. But yeah. Oh. Okay. Thank you for the correction. Okay. I, just, I just wanted to make that comment. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for the correction. I forgot about the Adams family. Um, but for modern era, it's the Bushes, the ones that we remember as having the father-son duo is the Bush family. But that's a good historical correction. Thank you. Um, let's go to Nicole in Texas. Nicole, thank you for calling the show. Oh, okay. I called on that one too soon. <laughs> okay. Um, now we can speak to Nicole in Texas. Thank you for calling the show. Stacy. Hi. Thanks for calling in. I just want to say I love everything you do and stand for. You are literally like my mama through radio. I'm oh. 24 years old. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm a you're, millennial. You're young. You're, you're a millennial. Yes. You're a baby. <laughs> yes. I super love you. Like, literally, when you go on your rant or whatever you want to call it, I'm literally yelling at my radio, talk that talk, Mama Stacy. <laughs> you just give me life. Well, it's so nice to hear a millennial who can actually understand what's going on here. You have to tell your friends. They have the coolest mom ever. I love you. I know we're still on top, but I want to ask you a question. Yeah. I live in Texas. You know, I have a Hispanic dad, a Caucasian mom. And so um, I'm kind of caught in the middle. And I'm just noticing a lot with this whole border debate, the whole wall, the illegal immigration thing. Um, I notice when people run out of talking points, mostly the left or the millennials that are confused or don't really know much, they come up with the talking point of how can we kick someone out or tell someone they can't come here illegally when we're living on stolen land? Or So how can I respond oh. to that? I'm looking for, without getting in my feelings or, you know, getting out of character, just something witty, but I've noticed and that's what they end up with is, well, you can't tell someone to come here illegally when we're all illegal because it's stolen land. Can you help me out, please? Okay, so here's what I say to that. And, and I think there are probably even uh, some others who have who've commented on this as well. But first of all, the assumption that America is not a lawful country, that's, that's what they're saying. They're saying America is not a sovereign nation. Because if you say the land is stolen, then it doesn't take into consideration that when the Americans landed here and started colonizing America, they weren't aware of any indigenous people. And when they became aware the Native Americans actually started waging war. And so over time, it became an issue of brute force. And the, the American colonists won because they had Great Britain behind them. And so there, if the Native Americans had never declared a treaty with the United States, which was then the colonies, then it would be, you know, kind of like stolen land, like occupying force. 
But we're talking about hundreds of years of intervening time here in which Native Americans now enjoy status in America, and they're a part of this nation. They're Americans, too. So it's not stolen land. The parts that we have, like Texas, which we got from Mexico, that was actually, I, I believe that was a purchase that we did. So, uh, you know, actually we had the Spanish, you know, the, there was Spanish-American War, and we, and we also had a war with Mexico. Uh, yeah, we had a war with them over over that territory. So you you cannot allow people to change the definitions of words. So America is a sovereign state. We have a constitution. We have an elected form of government. We have a standing military. And we are a sovereign country. We are not a stolen land. That just is not valid. Um, and then the other part about that is if people really feel like it's a stolen country, then where do they claim allegiance? You have to ask a person who says that, well, then what what country do you belong to? Do you, are you actually hoping to become a Mexican national? Are you, because you're saying this land is stolen, you don't believe you're an American citizen. What country are you a citizen of? What country is this? If it's not America, if it's stolen, what is it then? You have to go back to the basics. So, I mean, I hope that helps. It's, it's hard to deal with liberals because they're so illogical. The statements that they make are so ludicrous. It, this isn't about anything being stolen. It's about whether or not we allow people to steal in here currently. And that should not be a concern for Americans. Americans should always be on the side of other Americans. You have to also ask them, if you show up at home tonight and I'm there with all of my extended family and our dog and you know any, any fish or goldfish that we own and we're eating your food and we've got our feet up on your coffee table and we've been sleeping in your bed, are we occupiers or did you not steal that apartment and we're just taking it back? What, like, what do you believe about that? Often when you say that, I always see people's faces change. They get a little angry because they know they can't beat that back. But they, they definitely, when you take it down to their level, it becomes much more real. That's what, that's what I would do. And without being argumentative, it's just questions. Thank you for calling the show, Nicole. And thank you for the compliments. I'll tell the kids you think I'm cool. <laughs> so um, another announcement. And this is so interesting. Apparently, the third hour of Good Morning America is now called Strahan for Michael Strahan and Sarah. Sarah who, though? Sarah. Who, who are we talking about here? I've got this story in my email box. Ah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So ABC has rebranded GMA Day as Strahan and Sarah. Michael Strahan and Sarah Haynes' Good Morning America in the Afternoon Hour actually launched in September. So now they're moving to mornings. Interesting. GMA Day is an extension of the ABC Morning Talk Show launched in September. And it airs at 1 p.m. on ABC. The new title and set debuts today. The afternoon program was originally intended to act like a third hour of Good Morning America, just a bit removed from those hours. GMA Day took over for The Chew, which was canceled while facing a whole host of issues, including sexual misconduct allegations against one of the hosts, Mario Batali. Unfortunately, GMA Day, Strahan and Sarah, has yet to surpass even the modest Nielsen TV ratings for the time slot back when it was The Chew. Evidently, ABC News executives believe the opportunity for growth exists and see any hope for success being tied directly to the two big personalities in front of the cameras. So they're going for more of a Kathy Lee and Hoda vibe now. Those two chat and swill wine for the fourth hour of key GMA competition, the Today Show. Oh, wow. So Michael Strahan used to be a uh, NFL star. 
and he was on with uh, Kelly. That's when he actually made the move to television when he was working with Kelly. Now he's moving on. Uh, well, he's already moved on from her, but he's he's actually going to do this third mo- hour morning TV. Um, so I guess they're probably hoping that the ratings will be really good. I don't care because I don't watch morning TV. So back when I used to work out near our kids' school, I actually um, used to – it was kind of like being forced to watch it because it would be on in the gym and they'd have these hosts on and stuff, and I just would watch. And, and that was back when that little cute person, I forget what her name is, um, and she was on she was on MSNBC doing political commentary, which I hated. But during the day, she'd be on in the morning wearing these cute outfits, and like they'd be cooking food and stuff like that. And I'd be working out watching, and it was kind of interesting. But I'm not a morning show person. Um, I don't know what it is about them. I feel like it's so fake. And I know it's meant to be, it's like cereal. It's not supposed to have nutritional value. You're just supposed to be consuming it and, and tasting all the sweet, sugary goodness and loving it. But I just can't get into it. Um, so anyway, the, be that as it may, that's breaking news today as well. Um, and so I'm encouraging you, again, if you haven't done so and you're interested, head over to Stacy on the Right and hit the subscribe button. Um, because we are in the process of moving our, some, so we'll have a video stream there as well of the show, which will prevent me from having any of the issues with Facebook. I'll still be there, but I'll have that protection in the background, which will be fantastic. And that's the show for today. I hear a little bit of music coming on. Listen, consume the truth, read the truth, which comes from God's word and understand it. Don't do it for me. Do it for yourself. And God bless. I'm so excited that the State of the Union has been scheduled. Woo! The text messages are going to be flying. All right. Have a great evening. God bless you from the heartland. See you tomorrow.